Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I'm Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Chris Friend from Adobe join us. Chris, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm Chris Wren. I'm the Senior Manager of Experience Delivery Management at Adobe. And I've been at Adobe, boy, going on almost 25 years now, doing different roles throughout, of course. But the last five years or so, I've been in the sales operations organization. And the focus of my team has really been primarily when I started around content delivery, whether it's training or sales collateral, and is really shifting this last year or so for us to become much more of a user experience type of organization team that's focused on trying to really reinforce what the business wants with our sales teams and do that through design as opposed to just relying on training alone and and coaching and some of those other activities. Well, I'm very excited to have you here with us, Chris. On LinkedIn, you highlight your experience with managing the development of digital experiences to support enablement objectives. From a content delivery perspective, how does a focus on the digital experience improve engagement with content? I think that really where that comes into play is, you know, I think in many businesses realize that they've got a lot of content for complex deals in particular. And Adobe was among these groups that often had content in different buckets in different places. And so really the problem wasn't necessarily that there was bad content or content that wasn't very helpful. It really was not available or consumable in an easy way for our sales organization you know, historically. And so a lot of the work from a design and, you know, content strategy and management perspective and content delivery perspective has been around really making content easy to find, make sure that it is authoritative and also just make sure that there are some governance activities in place to keep it up to date and current. And so those three areas really kind of search and, you know, governing the you know, authoritativeness of documents. So people kind of know they've got the right version at the right time and also that it's up to date. Those are three things that I think have been continuous in in what my team's journey has been going from managing content through getting more involved in the actual experience of how people receive content, where they get it and, and how they use it. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. What role does content governance play, though, in really kind of optimizing the delivery of content and the digital experiences for users? Well, I think content governance ends up being one of those huge items that any organization has to deal with. I think at a place like Adobe, which is a large organization, has a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different teams, the issue becomes really, okay, how do you get sort of centralized management when there's a lot of teams that are really empowered to kind of do their own thing? And how do you provide an experience that from the perspective of, you know, let's just say a seller that is consistent, you know, it doesn't change depending on what product they're selling or what area or domain that they're in. 
they have a consistent experience with the content. Uh, and so part of the governance pieces, I think that you know need to be solved are making sure that the people who are contributing the content are doing it in a way that is, you know, delivered in a way at least that uh, is easy for users to understand and, and take in, right? It's not just, okay, we have, we've got our one-stop shop for this little small scoped area that we are concerned about, but really somebody is kind of minding the whole shop and understanding how to get content, how it flows through the system, how to get content from point A to point B uh, in the most effective way. and we certainly have found the Adobe that there isn't really a way to get that experience optimized for sellers of any kind. If there isn't a group or folks focused really on that, you know, the ability to, to really consolidate and, and deliver and focus on that experience separate from actually the content itself. Absolutely. Now, shifting gears a little bit beyond content delivery and management, you also focus on, as I mentioned earlier, providing user experience guidance on technology for the field. As part of this, you know, you've em emphasized the importance of, you know, user-centered design. What does it mean to have user-centered design in the integration of tools for sellers? And, and what are some of your best practices for really infusing that across the tech stack? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a difficult one for, you know, large organizations in particular, because, you know, one challenge is just trying to get teams on the same tool sets and the tool stacks. You might have multiple instances of CRMs, multiple instances of quoting tools and different types of tools that have been used based on acquisitions and things. And so it often can be a very complex network of sometimes technological debt, sometimes homegrown tools and things like that. So we found, though we really wanted to tackle that problem the way we were trying to tackle it with content delivery, we wanted to really treat this from the seller perspective as opposed to the business perspective. I think we have a lot of tools and a lot of great product teams that are working on you know, delivering things for our field and you know, partner sellers but they don't always connect the dots between each other, between these different tools and look at things from the seller's journey, the way we would look at things from a customer journey, for example, if we're doing kind of marketing and, and selling together. Doing that kind of internally and focusing on you know, people who are involved in sales and deals as really kind of that same customer base, regardless of the multiple products we have and not necessarily treating these as separate silos and and kind of competing little fiefdoms, but actually as one sort of holistic approach to getting a customer from point A to point B in the most effective way possible requires us to really kind of use a lot of that. The same thing that, you know, Adobe product teams would use with our customers, use that internally on our sellers, our BDRs, and our other, you know, key roles in the sales process to say, hey, look, we, we've got a lot of competing technologies, some are third party, some are homegrown, some are our own types of tools, but they don't necessarily connect to each other the way we would want them to, or the way that the, the user would want them to connect and work together, right? And so, you know, what we've done is really kind of look at a lot of the personas internally, you know, focus on the personas and, and focus on what their needs are as much as what the business is wanting to, to do or what the go-to-market strategy is. You know, we're, we're looking at things a lot more now across the different teams and, and folks who are trying to use 
any of these multiple tools we have, what's their experience going to be like? And how do we optimize that? How do we increase deal velocity? All of those things that, you know, I think everybody knows are important and that I think we've done a good job of dealing with training and coaching and, and other types of, you know, our sales managers working on. How do we kind of you know, infuse more of that into the design of our systems and the challenge there being, I think the obvious challenge there is, well, many of them are built on different technologies. And so we're kind of throwing out the idea of it's, this isn't a, an issue of visual design or any kind of UX from that perspective. It's really more about how do we dig in and make sure our information architecture and you know all these points, all these pain points are looked at from the user perspective, not from the just the business perspective of you know what the, the business KPIs are. So I think a lot of what we're trying to do now is invest a lot of the tools that we deliver to the sales organization with some usability KPIs that stand really at the same level as some of the business KPIs. Because I think, as we all know, if we don't really reinforce with our tooling what we're trying to accomplish and make the tooling effective enough for users to either want to use it or to actually have an easy time of using it, we're not going to have the, you know, the adoption. We're going to have people kind of leveraging different tooling for doing the same job, all that sort of stuff that makes it much more difficult to manage at an enterprise level. Absolutely. You'd be back to the ad hoc chaos all over again. No, I think that's a phenomenal approach. How, how do you ensure that the design and integration of tools for sellers don't just reinforce business goals, but are also you know, truly valuable to the end user as well? Right. Well, that's the key, I think. And it's not because people don't necessarily care about what the user experience is. I think that there's been a lot of you know, sense that, well, it's, it's boiling the ocean to consider it. <laughs> when we're talking about what sellers have to go through, there's obviously changes and tweaks to the go to the market every year. It's not so much what people have to relearn or, or learn again. It's what they need to forget and do differently. You know, having to kind of manage all those changes, for the most part, people think that, well, the tool is the tool and you can't really, you know, do much with that. So I think that where we, you know, where we want to, to focus is essentially kind of flip this a little bit and try not to get too focused on the systems themselves, the tools themselves, but focus more on the capabilities that we're trying to deliver and see to what extent we can really say that, well, you know, this is going to be consistent. We're always going to have to, you know, progress a lead to an opportunity to get a quote. We, we know what those basic capabilities areas are. And we also have a pretty good idea, or at least through doing research and, and interviews and conversations with folks, what they like. And if you do things that the sellers like, or more of things that the sellers like, or that are more natural to the way that the sellers are trying to sell, you're going to be more successful with whatever you deliver. So, and some of that is just, you know, it's not, like I said, that people haven't wanted to do that or, you know, thought about that in the past. And some people do it themselves. I think it's just been more at the ad hoc level, at the the kind of small scope level, not really kind of horizontally across the whole thing where, where we're focusing a lot more now and more of a, a way with my team. It's, and I'll admit it's, it's emergent right now. It's not really a full team of, you know, cast of thousands that, that's doing all this work. We're really kind of starting with a team of about five folks that are 
trying to look across all of the touch points for many of the key roles, know what these key roles are, and even just kind of settling on where are some key personas that we can go after and and think about where we can actually add the most value. And the value that we're trying to add is making things easier for users in a way that it really reinforces the business. The business gets what they want out of it. The users get what they want out of it. And we're in that happy place. I love that. Now, we talked about, you know, how important adoption is. I'd love to hear from you, from your perspective and, and your experience, what are some challenges to tool adoption among sellers? And, and then how have you helped to kind of overcome those challenges through the user experience design? Yeah, that's a, a great question, because I think you find with adoption, there can be any number of reasons why things have low adoption. So there might be something just about awareness. It might be something related to regional differences with a global company. It's hard to provide kind of a one tool solution that's going to work in all circumstances. And then there are sometimes, you know, you know, issues with with knowledge or, or reinforcement, you know, that the people are not necessarily remembering something. It's not something that they do enough that they they do it the right way every time. And so what we're looking at from a, a design perspective is, are there opportunities there where we can look at, you know, providing more structure where it's needed to, you know, essentially invite people to do things the right way by making the right way easier than any other way. So one example of that might be if people are, you know, storing documents that they use for deals, you know, they might store them on their OneDrive, they might store them on their desktop, they might store them in a SharePoint, they might store them in a way that, you know, or in the CRM itself, you know, they have different ways of storing it because there wasn't really a, an easy way to kind of make it easy to get the document you need, update it, send it out the door, and then keep track of it and, and what happens with it. And so things like that are areas where I don't think it's a, a matter of, you know, people maybe not adopting so much as it really wasn't clear what to adopt. And so we're trying to focus some attention there. To the other question about some some areas where we've seen like lower adoption than we wanted, I think goes into many of those types of self-service things that we try to do. Like, can we get people to, you know, do a bit more like self-service quoting, like get some quotes together without necessarily calling a deal desk or or, you know, getting other people involved. Can they do you know, some ROI calculations on their own without, you know, calling an expert, uh, how much of that can we get folks to do? And sometimes you'll have, you know, issues with that being, it's not really a design thing. It's, it might be more of a, a time thing, like people, okay, well, I, I don't have time to wrap my head around what's needed here to, to make this change. And so I think for us to be successful, you know, now and going forward is really to be aligned with or business change managers and other folks to determine really what is that core problem with adoption. And at least what I've found so far is there isn't any kind of one reason. <laughs> it's it's often very, you have to kind of get into the weeds and get into the details of why something specific isn't adopted. And for us, at least from the you know user-centered perspective is, I think we get the best information when we go out and do the interviews and we go out and do a user study and just get a sense of, you know, you usually find something you really had no idea why that was the case, or you, you had all these assumptions and you find out that they 
they weren't very good assumptions because people are coming to different conclusions or they are having completely different motivations than what you were expecting. I would say that for you know one of the the values that our team has been trying to promote is more of the formalizing that user research where we go out and and particularly if there's an adoption problem or if there's you know something new that's coming out and we want to make sure it goes smoothly really trying to find out what people are doing today what their motivations are to ensure that you know it's as smooth as we can possibly make it when they transition to something different Absolutely. Well, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I love to kind of just close on, you know, thinking about success metrics. How do you measure success when it comes to the user experience with technology? Again, that's a great question because I think it is, you know, there isn't a, a cookie cutter approach. I mentioned before that we're, you know, trying to infuse some usability KPIs into the overall business KPIs that go with any type of project or rollout. And so some of the things that we get focused on are, you know, they might be a pure usability problem, like, hey, there's, there needs to be more of uh, an error prevention approach with this, or maybe there's just consistency problems where you can detect like, okay, the labels are completely different in these different tools, but they mean the same thing, stuff like that, that we try to address. And we would basically apply the KPIs that are, you know, the most important usability KPIs with what the business KPIs are, because obviously we're not just making things consistent for the sake of consistency, or we're not, you know, making error messages nice just for the sake of doing that if they're they're not that common. What we're really trying to do is take a look at what the business is trying to accomplish, whether it's increasing the deal velocity, if it's, you know, basically increasing customer satisfaction with the process, things like that, that, you know, as designers, we kind of have to adopt those as well as figure out how our individual kind of usability KPIs, where we can basically move the needle the best. The idea is that our our KPIs tend to be shared where half of them are, you know, okay, what is the business trying to accomplish at this point? We have to kind of partner with them on that. And what we do with our, what we're measuring is, okay, do we have, you know, user satisfaction with what the tool is doing? Uh, Do we have a consistency, things that we can measure across the board there? That's fantastic. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a ton from you today and I appreciate your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.